Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one fuckboy, the number one fuckboy. All you gotta do is trust me. The number one fuckboy, the number one fuckboy, Johnny G. Joining me as always in the High and Mighty studios, my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabris. Arthur, shout it out. He's racking on that Nyla bone. Also joining me in the High and Mighty studios. Whoa, first time guest. My dog almost unplugged my Zoom. This is exciting. First time guest. I've been a long time reader of you, Jesse David Fox from Vulture and the Good One podcast. Hello. Hello. My, my energy is so much lower. <laughs> well, that's I'm fair. I ramp it up. Yeah, no, I do this so that the other person's like, I guess whatever I say on this podcast can't be as dumb as what he yeah. did. just did. Well, it's good. It's a good start. I, I, I lower myself so that you, to lift you up. Got it. I appreciate it. Um, we, I first heard, I, I mean, I, I, knew, I knew your name from bylines or whatever, but I first Heard you on my Don't Get Me Started, the podcast that sort mm-hmm. of inspired me to launch a podcast. <laughs> sure. I just ripped it off completely. <laughs> uh, but you talked about SNL in a, such a specific way. I've never felt like, I know this is so millennial of me, but I felt seen. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. <laughs> it was a funny thing of, I, I should say that when I, I think I met you at Clusterfest, or I met you, I, I, and I was talking, and it was a weird thing of being like, Wait, were you on this podcast episode as if I was like this famous podcast episode? But to you, it seemingly was a very famous podcast. It was huge. It, w- it really hit me hard. And then when, because uh, Marika introduced you, it was like, yeah, and this is Jesse. And I was like, oh, hi, Jesse. And then you started talking and I'm like, why do I know this voice? Why do I know this name? And then it all connected. I'm like, are you the guy that says SNL is like watching SNL is like watching sports? And you were like, uh, yeah. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like what? What an insane fanboy! Hey, I, I really appreciate this seventy minutes of content you put out r- uh, randomly for eight thousand. Yeah, people. I've been writing for like seven years, <laughs> thousands of words, and then this one podcast I did. But it, it's and I have now put it. I've written it down because I feel like people need to know. Yes. beyond the listeners yes. of that podcast, and I'll link to this. I'll link to this article uh, when this episode comes out too, because I want more people to know about it. I think it should change. I think it when I had it and I. have Put into words as like this should everyone should watch the show this way, and the fact that they don't 
is really a, it's now annoying because I've been thinking about SNL as sports for like I don't know probably f- five or so years and then people say annoying things about SNL and like don't you know it's like sports they'd be like oh wasn't I didn't find this funny it's like wasn't that wasn't yeah, wasn't for you uh, o- <laughs> o- Odell Beckham Jr. drops passes <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean exactly like- <laughs> it's like it's you're just it's, I think it's like I, my goal is to get more people to watch it live it's probably like the ultimate thing once you start watching it live you're like, oh, I get, like, especially now in L.A., because you can watch it live in L.A., I think that would be a game changer. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I don't, I still, I don't watch it live. I still watch it on DVR, because I fast forward through musical yeah. guests often. <laughs> but you'll have the whole thing in a row. Yes. Rep. Yes. I don't, I don't um, get, the like, the, the selects or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Because that's, because I think that's part of what's wrong with people's attitudes towards SNL now, is that a lot of us grew up watching the edited down to one yes. hour version, so yeah. you lose three shitty sketches <laughs> yes, from each exactly. episode. And we also have watched the best of Will Ferrell, the best of uh, so-and-so, the best of so-and-so. So we're used, everyone, we're not watching old shitty Jimmy Fallon sketches or the one that Will Ferrell did that bombed. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah but, and we're not seeing... Um, the, we're not having to watch the tenth time someone does a character, like unless we're trying to do that. Like when, right. like um, the repeat characters, though they do a little bit less. It they, it exists as a thing partly because one, you don't you didn't watch the first time, right? It's like your only time to watch it is the tenth time they do the samurai or whatever. Oh right. But yeah. then I think what I once I realized, like oh they're doing because they have to fill this show. That is the thing that you're doing. Like anytime I talk to people who work at SNL, you're like. When they talk about doing repeat characters, they're not like, oh, is it the art or not the art? But like, there's that type of debate does not exist anymore. Now it's like, we have to put on a show that's an hour and a half every week. I like that that mantra of like i like the idea of a show that's like it's just gotta go up like yeah. we have seven days if it's supposed to take eight we're gonna give you seven <laughs> eighths of a show like whatever yeah and you don't see bad things on tv that, like you don't see like well that was an average piece of comedy right and i and i appreciate the tries yes um it's so i never knew this is how i was watching it until i listened to your episode because I was still watching it, despite having, and I'm going to venture into some territory talking sure. about SNL, considering the amount of peers I've had that sure. uh, that have been on it or are still on it or writing for it. But the I had been watching it for years, even after I ostensibly almost, I wouldn't say stopped enjoying it, but stopped like dying yeah. to see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, stopped loving it. But I still started, I kept watching it. And when you when you were talking about that, it really felt like, I'm a New York Giants fan, so I can relate to watching three hours of something that is not enjoyable at all. Yeah. <laughs> but there's something about like I'm still excited to see, you know, OBJ make a one-handed catch. I'm still excited to see Beck Bennett land a Putin joke. Yeah. You know, like there's elements where I'm like, I'm not watching because I think the whole episode's gonna be good. I'm watching to be like, oh, I want what are Colin and Che gonna like <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, like I cause I like and my, and you know what else? My wife likes Weekend Update. Yeah. So it's oh, my girlfriend likes Weekend Update the most too. <laughs> yeah, I think because I think if you have no like if you're not a comedy snob, Jost and Che are very funny and very charming. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like obje- objectively, like I am a snob about comedy and I still enjoy them. Yeah. So I'd imagine if like you yeah, and I think if you don't watch tons of comedy, you're like oh, this is the one time. Like if you're not watching all the clips or you're not if this is like the only time you're seeing people doing topical one-liners right yeah oh these are you know strong jokes i think they have different 
they have different point of views. Yeah. It's like fun that he's lame, like, and he's yeah. cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a classic dynamic, <laughs> yes. you know? It's fucking Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. Yeah. <laughs> to a, that was a maybe a, uh, Yeah, but we're not saying which one's Gene Wilder, which <laughs> yeah. one's Richard Pryor. You do the man. <laughs> I don't see color, so you choose whoever's who. But uh, I think the thing that made me realize, if there's a, if I was thinking about how I, when I landed on it, I think part of the once I had friends who were in comedy and we would talk about it, you're like, oh, that's why I'm doing it. Like, to have a conversation about, did you watch it and you like it? It doesn't matter what the answer is. If we talk about how it's bad for an hour, that's more enjoyment than I'm getting out of, like, The Good Place, a show that I like and is good all the time. Right. It is like a, it is comedy nerd sports because then you're like, you just like, yeah, right? How about Saturday, huh? Rough one. But, you know, so-and-so look, hey, yeah. that new, like, it's like the rookie, like, Ego looked pretty good this week, you yeah, know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the thing of, like, when you start, you know, it's, I think when you read that oral history and you hear how they talk about, like, the struggle to get on air and then you hear certain, like, WTF interviews or you hear, like, well, how Lauren thinks about, oh, the idea that, like, oh, you start a person, you don't want to start people too quickly on, you know, they want the people to, uh, you want the audience to want to see the person more. And you're like, oh, there's all this sort of gamesmanship. And then so then you see a person like Melissa Villasenor and you're like, oh, she's kind of on a little bit more. You're like, oh, she did a first weekend update this weekend. Yeah. You're like, it was pretty good. It wasn't like the best one ever, but like she's now in the mix. And you're like, and then you can see in four years, this is like her show. Like, Cecily Strong sort of did that uh, yeah. map too, where you're like, oh, she's kind of strong in these in these little parts here. Oh, she's really funny as this character. Oh, she's, uh, you know, top, top yeah, four cast she member. She was yeah. like, and she came out the gate pretty hot. And then it felt like, because they gave her a weekend update. And then she asked to be removed or sort of that conversation, even though she was great at Weekend Update. And I think it's to the benefit because she's an incredible sketch. Yeah, she's a good actor. And then once I learned how much she writes, it's like when I find out who writes sketches and when cast members, it's like a joy that is like too great. And like she wrote, I was doing my top 10 sketches of the year or whatever. And I'm usually able to kind of through the Internet, like figure out. Uh, who writes what? Because like someone will Instagram something in the ball. Yeah, or like uh, Julio Torres would tweet. Yeah, yeah, Check yeah, out yeah, my yeah, new yeah. Yeah, Like you can like do the math, get the red string out, connecting yeah. all the headlines. And yeah. it was like she wrote like four of my t- ten favorite sketches last year. And That's you're, like, awesome. Who knew? Like you don't know these things. That's like, and I think it. And then if you have enough friends in comedy, you start hearing like sort of rumory things of like, oh, this is why that person got fired. It was like um, not because, and I just trying to think of why I'm trying, but I don't, you know, like I remember someone's like, oh, they just didn't do enough impressions, like. Like they didn't have a breakout character, and like there's a job of that show that we need people who can do impressions. Right. And if they didn't do it, it's just sort of like we can't keep them around. The set, the cast is too big. That's uh, pretty much why. Even though I grew up watching SNL and uh, wanting to do sketch comedy, because I also knew when I was I- into comedy that. I can't do impressions yeah. at all. I can't do any voices. I can't sing. I can't do any of that shit. So I just knew that it was like SNL was not for me. Did you audition? I, I did. I sent in a tape and it was garbage. <laughs> and I, I uh, hopefully it's been scrubbed from the internet. Uh, but that's the other thing. <laughs> that's a separate aside. But there's so many bullshit taped auditions of mine that are garbage. 
from all different stuff, yeah. and I'm assuming from every other actor, that are just somewhere in the internet on hard drives, I and feel, it's humiliating. I feel so bad when I'm YouTubing people. Like, I'm looking at a person's name, and the thing that comes up is their, like, character reel, and you're like, well, this is... At least they f- were smart enough not to, like, name it their the SNL, SNL reel. Day. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But that's, like, ultimately what it is. It's so, yeah. like, they... Um, yeah, and so when you find out, like, everyone auditions, or everyone at least gets that first step. Yeah, like, everyone tries. Yeah, yeah, like, people... They've seen everybody. So you're like, these are the people that get on it. And you're and it's like, oh, Jordan Peele audition but didn't get it. Or it's like, and you're like, oh, I wonder why. And it's like, who knows? Right. Because it's like, whatever this show is, this is the thing that they're doing. And then like they'll take they'll the risks, like nobody's, but also like like when they like Bill Hader was like kind of a guy around, but like definitely not anybody. Right. And then he was so good at the show. <laughs> he's perfect for the show he's built for the show but you didn't he, know that when he right. started he's just every man but he, you knew like he, if he was doing a Pacino impression in his like LA sketch group yeah. at, in a backyard and Lauren saw that like the guy is ca- he's capable of doing voices. but like we both know that is he was doing a show in the Megan Mullally's backyard or <laughs> why do we both know that yeah fact? I know that's because it, we, there's an element of comedians that we will say we don't like SNL, but we still study it and we still care on a larger scale, not, not to make this like the way UCB Harold Knight is yeah. or like performer. It's like, I don't, I'm not even part of the theater anymore, really. I just do my, I just do ask it out here, but I'm still like, who got, who got moved up? You know, like, and I'm like, why do I, I don't even know this person's name. I was not even around when they joined, but I'm like, who is this cat? Cause you it's, know? cause it, it's one of those people will be the person like, right. It's like, and it, it it's fewer people maybe than it was like f- 10 years ago when there was less people doing UCB. So all of them were those people, but right. it's like, one of those people is Donald Glover. Right. Like, you yes. don't know it yet. Like yeah. everyone around them. One of the new people on SNL is uh, Andy Samberg. Right. right. Exactly. And I imagine, though, to your point, if you can't do it, I was thinking like, I imagine Pete Davidson gave a lot of people like younger use hope or like, maybe I could just go and be an asshole. And then people will be like, oh, yeah. I mean, it. I was I worked with Pete before on we were on Guy Code together <laughs> yeah. and I always thought he was a funny guy. But when he got SNL, I was like, what the fuck, dude? And then I like remembered like Lauren fetishizes like young people. Yeah. yeah. And then he because. I remember. I mean, Pete's funny, and he's, he's clearly so funny. brings some sort of charisma because people cannot stop watching him. <laughs> Young female I'm, celebrities included. I know. It's <laughs> ama- I remember his first weekend update of like because I knew he didn't do characters, and he just did a thing where he's and now are you like youth correspondent and yeah. the reaction was like he was already like a celebrity cameo right You're like this is some guy yeah <laughs> it's uh, he i remember that distinctly because i was watching uh to be like what is pete gonna do like i couldn't i can't picture knowing how i know pete and now even more so i could not uh i'm not even like we don't even talk that much <laughs> <laughs> clearly he's leveled up his yeah, friendship yeah. and his friend group but i like in my head i was like i can't picture pete davidson being in like a fucking musical number in the opening like bobby <laughs> uh, moynihan was a good friend of mine yeah. and he's a guy who is like i could picture doing what the show needs but i can't picture pete being like here we are <laughs> like sna- you know doing one of those corny ass <laughs> opening numbers it just didn't feel like him. yeah it yeah. didn't seem like like I'm part of a troop. He's like, yeah. Pete Davidson will be there. But he also kind of has succeeded because of that. He like found his own lane and now is like, he's the most, he's the one who we know most about their personal life. Yeah. In like an interesting he's, way. And it makes, you know, it's interesting. I've had multiple conversations less. So many people seemingly have seen, maybe because I wrote that story, but like to talk about how meta it was that he, um, that his last few things he's been doing and how he like, he made fun of him. And I was like, you know, that's what SNL has always done. It's just sort of weird that he's like 
so fake. Like the story was so famous. Right. That- like to be his engagement to Ariana Grande was bigger than SNL. Yeah. And- so much to the fact that SNL was like, Pete, you gotta talk about it. we need the juice. Yeah. We gotta get these fifteen year old girls tuning in to see what you to see what Ariana Grande's fiance has to say. Yeah. And it's that's such a why I mean, again, you can backtrack that all to when Lauren cast Pete, that Lauren is just He's got, he's got, so he's working, he's playing 3D chess. Yes. He truly is the one person who's like, oh, I think he'll date a celebrity one day. Right, like he, he's way so ahead of it. He's seen it so many times that he's like, ah, Pete, I know this guy will do, 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 do. But it make you know, I had a, I have friends who watch every week who don't like sketch comedy, but like seeing what celebrities will do. And you're like, that is another that like there's so many things this show has that you don't like people like us were like oh we watch because like maybe the sketch at 10 to 1 is going to be actually like weird or interesting right but there's people like oh is it gonna be weird what channing tatum does and that is part of the show too right and that's sort of what like that element that people who are into that that's sort of what fallon and carpool karaoke yeah. and lip sync battle and all these shows have like and dancing with the stars has sort of like attached itself to where it's like let's just put a famous person in something that they can't really yeah. do i love when like an athlete does it yeah i mean that's i'm trying to think of like yeah i mean like i feel like when charles barkley hosted i was so amazed at but the thing because it can do something to a celebrity like i remember when the rock hosted the first time you're like holy shit this guy should host the oscars right and you uh, didn't know but he wore like a little outfit. He did some dance, and you're like, "This guy is like Captain." Like he's why well, he ma- he played Mango's dad, right? Yeah. Like I remember. Why do I remember this so specifically? He played Chris Kattan's character, Mango's dad, or a, a yeah. similar Mango. He had suspenders yeah. and was acting pri- uh, pr- primate like. Yes. And it was fucking awesome. And then we were, and then like America was like, "Well, The Rock is our biggest comedy star now." And he should, and that like that's though I I will say. This season's really interesting because you can tell a lot of people have been saying no. Like I can't, I can't write a story based on this because it's complete speculation. But you're like, Leaf Shriver's not hosting SNL in a normal season, right? Yeah, it's like we got to promote Ray Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> Big overlap. Ray Donovan season like six or whatever, <laughs> right? But and like good, for, and he did a very good job. And yeah, you're like, I mean, he's a wonderful actor. <laughs> yeah, but it's just sort of like, oh, wonder what's happening. Like, and then it's and like ultimately it's just bullshit to talk about. Just like. A, every idiot thinks they can coach like the Knicks and you're like no you can't but you can be like oh what I would do is play that guy at Power Fort. Right it's almost like the corner store of New York of people sitting around talking about the Yankees while they get coffee or whatever is like the co- we shrink that down to comedy nerds and chuckle yeah. fuckers <laughs> and we're the, that's how we're talking about SNL like yeah. uh, so and so is supposed to host next week alright good luck you know like hey who's Halsey or whatever you know like <laughs> and you Halsey Halsey <laughs> Um, and you're like, you see yourself being like, oh my god, I don't, I don't even know if I'm enjoying any of the comedy of this. I'm just curious. Yeah. Every time, but there's sometimes things are actually good, and that justifies all of it. I'm right. You only some- need to be like, this is. A, I say this all the time about SNL. If you, if it makes me laugh three times, or if there's one good sketch, it has succeeded. It's done more than a lot of comedy shows. Yes. You know what I mean? I've watched shows I like and not laughed in 22 minutes, and I'm like, if SNL makes me laugh three times in 80 something minutes, then I, then it's a fucking success. Yeah, I think the thing that was the breakthrough, and I, I literally can't remember. If it's an interview that I did or like it's it, it is like going to be name dropping, but my job involves interviewing people. So it's like <laughs> and but Seth Meyers, his interest in SNL as a person who worked there for 10 years or whatever, 13 years is like he's never been on the show. 
right? So it's like he'll talk about SNL. Like it's like like he doesn't know like he wasn't the head writer. Yeah, for a like few years. It's, it's, he doesn't know how it works. Like he and literally, I, there was times where I interviewed. He'll talk like it was after he left, and he'll talk about the episodes. Like you see that episode it was really. It's like what are you doing? And and it's because he, he's even though there it he gets it every week. It's and he and the thing he said is like no one is supposed to like every ep- sketch in an episode, right? Because by design, and you're you like can't. and. And that's the point. It's like the things at the beginning are for people who are up at 1130. So it includes younger people. And the stuff at the end is the things that like are weirder or edgier. They're like, oh, this doesn't make sense. But sometimes those things can then move forward and you can see that stuff. Yeah. And and once it's interesting because um, when I talk about this, people assume like I'm a lifelong SNL fan, which I am not. Oh, like I watched it. Like I think I watched um clip you know i watched the best of and i would watch things but i didn't like necessarily stay up but it was like it was so i think brian fellows i think was like one of the first things i'm like oh i get this but oh, it wasn't yeah. really till the internet that i knew like i interacted with. but there was it was i was from lonely island on i started like you were like a regular it. watcher yeah and then once i started regular watching then i was like oh there's something to just watching this that is worth right right you don't necessarily like you get hooked on like one thing and then you start watching and you're like oh this isn't really like lonely island but hey i i don't hate this either and then you're like oh that's the thing that these are people that are doing different stuff i grew up trying to stay up on saturday nights to watch it and always falling asleep during commercial musical guest commercial yeah because it's like that's just nine to ten minutes of stuff i didn't care because young comedy nerd gabrus didn't care about music yeah, yeah like i liked music but i liked four bands that i knew i didn't care about what was on i just be like blah blah and i i certainly didn't care about watching live performances at midnight when i'm like trying to stay up because i have karate yeah. at nine in the morning or whatever um but i remember just being like every i always thought like and oh, here's another here's another analogy to sports. The 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 classic no, the best SNL seasons were yes. this season when exactly. I was blank. Yeah, yeah, like, and it's that is the thing of like oh the the two like right it's like basketball players now couldn't make it in the league and blah 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 or it's yeah. like yeah they're funny now but if they were around Adam Sandler they wouldn't get anything on or whatever yeah. like and that it's like and then when you realize different casts have different playing styles or b- different comedic com like right the early 90s was a lot of stand-ups who like right. didn't, didn't know how sketch comedy really worked right right the, i feel like there's been a transition now this is where i'm gonna venture into territory that gets it i feel like the transition from like edgy hard comedy to like theatery type uh people Shove. being cast there like you know like the ucb like the yeah. improv the group mind the like Away from like cocaine and huge personalities towards like, you know, whatever. I feel like that's been a visible transition, not for better or for worse, but it's just I mean, like the sense that I had is that it's, uh, I, it's a bit much better than it was to work there at different times. Like this was, well, I like it's definitely under Seth, it was a nice place to work. It was like, you know, it was a hard job, but people were like, it's nice. Seth is a good boss. Yeah. Um, you know, since Seth has <laughs> left, there's different accounts. Of how it's definitely not as bad as it once was, and I imagine like it's not a thing that if you're a woman, like there'll be certain cast members who will yell at you for not being funny or whatever. Right, right, right. She did. Um, <laughs> Jesus, but like there, there right now there is a a different mix just because like Che comes from a different world than a lot of the cast members do. Right, and I think probably Lauren will be like, oh, that tension is interesting. Right, he likes that shit. Yeah, he likes. Clearly, he likes to foster an environment where people are uh, not positive how it's going to go. Yeah, and I think right, like right now, they're casting a lot of performers as writers because 
their performers get jobs so early now because there's so many opportunities right now right. that they'll hire a lot more performers as writers to like have around to lock them and then the same four people write every sketch on the show <sighs> like if you ne- like you watch it's like every sketch is written by and it's seemingly that is always the case like every year if you ask they're like oh that was a year where Mulaney and Jost and Seth wrote the entire show and then everyone else would write one or two things on and off so like right now it seems like um like Jost's uh, che Ken Sublet or whatever his name will write the, sort of the cold open and the stuff the show has to have but then Anna Dresden, Fran Gillespie who, who you know Sudi <laughs> Green uh, and Streeter write the entire show yeah wow <laughs> two uh, Fran and Streeter are old pa- I mean I know all those people but Fran and Streeter are old pals Streeter's been doing not unbroken sketch comedy since I met him when he was like 22 he literally he wrote he f- for like com- <laughs> college humor for like seven years and then just went to SNL and is continually the f- crushing literally it. the first Three sketches, I believe, of last night's episode, of last week's episode, whatever, were him. He's prolific as fuck, too. Yeah. He's like the type of dude when we used to hang out and we were going to work on something together, he'd be like, Yeah, I had an idea for a show for you. Like, you want to write something up? I'm like, Yeah, I'd love to, man, but I'm like the biggest slacker in the world. <laughs> he'd be like, I just get a link to a Google Doc and it'll have like five pages in it. And yeah. I'll be like, I'm humiliated how little work I did for this. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. But it's like him and because he and Mikey, and Mikey was also the guy that was like writing the entire show. Right. And Streeter's like, Oh, we should work together. Like, well, it's weird because like, People just getting people get on streaks. That's true everywhere. Like you know, and you're like, oh, I'm in a groove of writing sketches that work. Yeah, um, I love w- when you get to know a little bit more about it. Just like in sports, you're like, you know, Brian Tucker and Keenan write a lot yes. together. And then you're like, you know, the two like it's like saying like uh, the linebackers uh, are such good buds that they're very like you know. And there's like knowing the little extra stuff like that gets you enjoy like the way that knowing stats or backgrounds of players let you enjoy yeah sort of like the show hard knocks speaking of leave schreiber uh <laughs> the show hard knocks kind of gets you excited about football players you wouldn't normally pay attention to or teams you wouldn't normally pay attention to and it's sort of like now i know that this wide receiver is like was on the border of being cut now i care about him more and then it's like you hear like mikey day was a writer now yeah, he's a performer I and i mikey day's from wild and out and you're like this is actually very cool you know and like i'm like why do i care this much about that because it i mean it one it's like because you know I mean, if you've read the book, you know that like a lot of this stuff is has an amount of drama around it. Right. Small or big. And I mean it's like that book, you're right. That the talking uh, about SNL had Live from New York, the oral history of SNL, which anyone who's remotely put <laughs> dipped a toe near comedy yes. has read. There you can break up the conversations about SNL like pre that book, like yes. a, uh, like B C and A D. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a thing of like and then you just the more you know, you're like I believe Mikey was hired because he knew Taryn, and then they only had one year together, and Taryn was fired early or let go or whatever it was, and then Mikey was, and you're like, I wonder if that's a comp, and then Taryn tweeted about it, and you're like, maybe it's cool, or maybe he's still mad about it, but then, like, Taryn, more than anyone else, is, like, willing to, like, shit on the show in interviews <laughs> in ways that are, like, he literally said in interviews, like, oh, it was really great when I was there because Seth was there, but then once Seth left, it was a lot of... It, w- it didn't have a driving force. Seth was the only person that could talk back to Lauren. And you're like, that's what I assume. But, I, but that <laughs> yes! might be bullshit. <laughs> More goss. Yeah, I know. And it's funny because I'll shit on someone. Like, I, I remember being like, 
you know, I worked at VH1 in like the mid 2000s where it was like peak Perez Hilton delisted. Yeah. What would Tyler Durden do? Like gossip blogs. And I hated people like that were like, did you know that Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey are blah, blah. And I'd be like, this is so corny. And then if someone was like, you know, Taryn was kind of was like, wait, tell me more. <laughs> like all of a sudden I'm the same level of God. Like the people who are care about thank you next and Ariana and Pete, yeah. I'm that way about, wait, so Taryn had issues. <laughs> like, no. It's like, and they wrote together, but now they write together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it it's um and then the more you just will be you find out and then like every podcast interview with people from SNL they'll talk about something and then you just sort of fill out this picture of different times and then if you know people who know people everyone who works there is like totally down to gossip about what it's working. oh yeah it's really fun I'm gonna leave out any details I've heard because everyone will know who my connections are <laughs> yes I also do <laughs> but it's and then the more like but even people that work there like it's fun. Because you're working at SNL, a place where there's intrigue. It's also like in this in entertainment business to like work on a show that you can say to an Uber driver or your aunt yeah. and they like know the show you're referencing rather than explaining what Go90 is and like how to access a podcast yeah. or what Stitcher Premium is. Like you could just be like SNL and everyone goes, I know it. You must be insanely talented. And, it, and it's yeah. not necessarily true. But also I always use... Uh, and I hope Bobby doesn't mind me saying this about him, but I always use him as an example because people are like, that show doesn't have anyone that's funny on it. And I would say like, Bobby Moynihan is one of the funniest human beings I've ever seen. I've seen him perform thousands of live shows. Yeah. He's one of the funniest human beings ever. And I don't think he touched a tenth of that on, he yeah. got a chance to show that on the show. And he was successful on the show. He lasted a long time. He had good characters that people really liked, but still no one would be like, he was the Chris Farley of his, uh, of his tenure there. But he is one of the funniest people I've ever met. Like he's like objectively hilarious yeah. and he didn't even get to, reach that level up there yeah i mean that's the thing of like what bobby was a breakthrough of like i knew bobby from just seeing comedy in new york and then when he got on snl you're like oh these are people like they were people know about these people everyone that gets cast i remember when kate got cast i knew a lot of people just sort of knew because she just was in new york like a little bit before then yeah she was doing people a lot like, oh, she's the funniest. you know they always say like oh they're the funniest person and then they get cast and they're like and then you see oh are they the funniest person like of a generation like you that's possible and the snl gives it's as much as people will constantly shit on it and say the exact same thing they've been saying for 40 years which is it's not as funny as blank it one like constantly puts out new f more famous people people that you did not know of before they got cast right it is now going to like be in movies and everything for 30 years. Yeah, Kate McKinnon is set. Taryn's going to be in stuff. Bill, Bill Hader's doing Barry. Like, everyone's doing huge, big things, and they're going to it forever because they launched off of SNL. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's more so than ever the consistency of, like, you you get on that show, you're going to admit home, you're going to be Chris Parnell, which is a constantly, and Tim Meadows constantly working. Right. You're right. never off. Like, like, and yeah, you're not like leading some shows. Maybe we'll get some pilots, and if they, but like you're working. Yeah, and that is like a, th and I think that, and that feels like a post two thousand specific transition. Like I right. feel like the pre two thousand people who were really funny just sort of like didn't have that. But something about that show now that you feel like if you're on it, you're you're at, you're just like whatever you're that. There's so many comedians now that that is like another chip that allows you to like book more things and then. It's, and all that is fun. You're like, oh, you get to see people when they're un 
you know, I was thinking, um, no, like, no one does characters except for on that show, except for Will Ferrell. Like, everyone is on that show, and every week they're coming up with silly voices and wearing weird wigs and being 100% whatever they think is funny. And then they leave, and then they play like normal people who work in offices. Right, right, right. Yeah, to me. So yeah, you get like unbridled <laughs> versions of like what they are like when what they are like at four o'clock in the morning when they're trying to think of a funny idea. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I never, I never thought about it like that. Yeah. Not no one leaves there and is like, now I'm doing my own sketch comedy yeah. show. Everyone's like, no, now I'm the lead in like an ABC uh, pilot or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And it's cool, and like they're funny at it, but it is a thing of like, except for the true exceptions of like. Will Farrell and like I guess Mike Myers like Will Farrell seemingly is the, uh, like he will turn down big money work to do small work in which he can do weird characters. yeah it's like yeah it's like I always uh, think it's like look Will you want to be in this movie hey can I wear a neon blonde wig and they're like sure and he's like I'm in like, yeah. he's bounded down where he's like just playing Ric Flair more or less it's like fucking wild um yeah, Will Will Ferrell and Adam McKay was for me like as much as I was a Sandler, Rock, Spade, yeah. uh, Farley kid, I was obsessed with them, and that that was like that was because my dad was a con- like a little bit of a uh, TV watcher and knew a lot yeah. about comedy, so he was telling me about old SNL and like you know when we would watch Fletch, he'd be like, "This guy was on SNL," and like. You know, I would watch old sketches when we find them or watch old episodes or get them on VHS from somewhere. But then uh, came like the Spar- uh, the Farley Spade era and I was like, holy shit, these guys are like really funny. Yeah. The- and then when Farrell and McKay were doing stuff and Parnell was on the show then, that's when I felt like, oh, th- it's like... I've found my sense of humor, yeah. you know, and then I went and followed McKay and Farrell <laughs> yeah, like they... a fucking absolute loyalist for like three to five movies. Yeah. I, I mean, I still love, I, I'll still see everything the two and either of those two. Yeah, but now do. he doesn't really, Adam doesn't really make comedies anymore. Yeah, I know. I guess I <laughs> now you have to see so many but it's, what, a, what a natural progression that's become in, in modern society is that like you go from comedy to like tweeting uh, your issues with politics to directly being like, fuck it. I think the only answer is to fight the fire myself and <laughs> yeah. was you know like it's like and make a movie about the housing crisis right yeah and then make another movie about change <laughs> yeah i think it was it was a small a, like there's certain like i liked will ferrell i remember sherry O'Terry, Sherry, but um, like when seeing horatio and in, in fallon laugh you're like oh they're doing like there's just like you the sort of like the fourth wall of it broke of like oh there are people doing a thing and that's really interesting and then i think um, it got I really to be like, like uh, Horatio and Fallon uh, opened it up to me a little bit where it was like it felt less dorky even though a lot of people hated that they broke I appreciated yeah. it because it was like and then when you I've now since if we're talking about name dropping I've since become good friends with Horatio and then you realize he's not putting on any airs he finds so much stuff funny like I've seen this dude like have a near seizure just laughing at like a half joke yeah because he's just so he's so alive he's just so it's such an interesting dude and I I went I had so I had him on I've had a few SNL people on my podcast and I had him I think he's maybe the first one I had on and he picked a sketch that I I didn't remember that like it was barely like a th- it wasn't a big breakout, but he always thought it was really smart or whatever. So, but he was like, "Which I should, one was it?" It was um, Don's Pharmacy or something like that. He plays a guy in like a rascal scooter, and it's it's so funny because the central joke of it is, 
and and even he'll acknowledge like this is like it's a pretty hacky type joke of someone being like oh i need this medication and then him yelling over the loudspeaker it's like oh we need fungal cream or yeah whatever. it's like too revealing of yeah. the person yeah, yeah but he so i had to play it it for him because he didn't remember the beats and it was like oh let me play it for you before we talk about it and he laughed so hard watching himself in a sketch because as he we talked about like that sketch was perfectly made for him by himself it was like right. he, and he in the past made a sketch for Horatio in the future and you're like oh that's just what was happening when he was on the show he's like this is my exact sense of humor it's like because I wrote it and it's and that joke had so, there was like a big long fart joke it was like it was literally like he didn't know it was coming and i knew it was coming and it's queen latifah's playing a pregnant woman and i knew that out of nowhere she does this a huge fart and i and it, and he crying laughing yeah, that sounds at something he wrote and you're like that's the same guy and he just sort of wanted he knew that he seemed like he's like i want to go to the show and be honest and to me being honest is like something funny is happening I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to laugh at it. Oh, yeah. I would recommend listeners of High and Mighty right now, not right now, but after oh, yeah. this episode, jump back. I had Horatio on talking about SNL, and there's some fun inside scoops. A lot of stuff about after parties, because him and Fallon were in charge of the after parties for a while. But he also, like in the book, I feel like he talks about how he said something in the book that made Lauren mad, that he then, in a later chapter in the book, like him and Lauren were cool about. If I remember, I think it literally was, he said something about the book where he blamed Lauren a little bit for Bush winning over Gore because they're like, oh, Will Farrell's Bush impression was so charming that it swayed the election or something like that. I, I wouldn't because there's such a small margin. I, yeah, I can't imagine that A to B leap, but holy shit, did Will Ferrell accidentally make George Bush seem charming? Yeah. Yes. And then, um, and but, then would SNL ever get in hot water for doing something similar again? No, never again. They never did political impressions that no one thought about. It. But even following that, he's like, there's a guy who's who's not on the show who's like on it all the time. Yeah, and they don't. The thing that I find so what I. I like find ultimately redeeming about SNL is as a person who covers it is they're pretty cool with m- most of it. Like, like I'll write, I wrote a piece about how the show is never, I wrote a piece, literally the headline was the show's never more popular and less fun to work at, which was just sort of like, I heard that it's a real bummer right now because everyone's <laughs> paying attention about the politics and it's everything so heightened and, and, and they're being blamed for like humanizing yeah. Trump yeah, which yeah is they crazy. had nothing to do they didn't get to be like you know like some new cast member was like I think that Donald Trump guy should be host they have no say but then also they're not getting the glory of like being the person who does this big impression and I wrote that was a big bummer and I and I was like I wonder if yeah, that's the Al- I have an issue and I'm a, I, I was a longtime Alec Baldwin apologist I worked with him on 30 Rock I really like he's a Long Islander so I have sure. a certain respect for him but he's doing everything in his power to get me off of his side. But the biggest frustration for me is because I just see him taking somebody's job. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that could, that could be a moneymaker for Beck Bennett, for yeah. uh, Kyle Mooney. I mean, anyone could do Trump. I mean, I think because it's an impression I can do. So I assume yeah. anyone with remote chops can do it. I think, yeah. I mean, Keenan in an interview before the season, because it was like, he wasn't sure if Alec wasn't sure if he was going to back. And he's like, all right, don't do it. Like have someone else, like someone else do the impression or like, you know, after Will Ferrell left, Every, like Forte did Bush for a while and no one remembers and then Sudeikis did Bush but like it was really lost to history but you're like talk about the other people around it like anytime they do the Trump impression now it's like such like 
such like a suck of joy because you can tell Alec Baldwin hates doing it. It's it's weird. It is like this weird like Alec Baldwin's been like cursed, like where he's yeah. like forced to do a, but, like every Saturday night. Yeah. yeah, I mean he's not forced, but he's done something to himself where. Is this his only chance? Like, is he going to do next season? Has I he can't do- imagine. I haven't watched any episodes yet this season. Has yeah. he done it? He, he must have. I truly cannot remember. Um, the last, I, I he must have done something at least once, like maybe did a voice. The last one I truly remember is he was playing. You can tell they didn't shoot it in New York because they're doing that. They opened that. Now that they have all these celebrities doing the cold open, they're willing to shoot things in L.A. and s- simulcast it. Oh, and like, and you can tell because the laughs timing is sort of weird. Um, but they, so he was doing it in, in LA or wherever he was, and he was uh, playing Trump, eating McDonald's or whatever, and you can tell he wouldn't take a bite. He pretended to drink soda, but you could see the straw, nothing come out, and he put a hamburger. He's or a vegetarian now, right? Or, you put half a fake whatever, right? He just literally put it to his mouth. And like kissed it and then put it down. Oh, weird! And it's it like, like a fucking commercial audition. It's like so <laughs> sad. It was like it's like it was like don't do the thing. Let 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 him go to bed. Let him be around his family. Let him I, I let him fucking yeah. meditate. Yeah. Whatever whatever this dude needs to cool out, cool off a little bit. But I guess it's fun. I mean, like he gets the that's the thing of all of it. We're like, oh, it's, he's hosted a million times. And he's right. like, it must be just like, oh, it's fun to go to that show, feel the energy. Also, I'm, it's a fucking three minute black car, uh, <laughs> yeah. town car ride from him, from his apartment yeah. to there, I'm assuming. So it's like, yeah, I'll come down on a Saturday night. I'll be home by a 12, you know? <laughs> Have you, uh, you've been to see it? Yes. I've been to, uh, one episode with like uh, a friend just in the audience. Um, and that was maybe a John Hamm hosted episode, oh, that's good. but, uh, I was at in the writers' room that that bougie little comedy fr- comedy nerd yeah. thing you get to do. I was at Bobby's first episode. Oh wow! And not because uh, I, I wasn't that close with Bobby, but uh, my buddy, uh, well, my, my friend Sue Galloway is married to John Lutz, and John Lutz was a writer yeah. there at the time. And they know I'm a diehard sw- uh, swimmer. I love swimming. And Michael Phelps of was hosting. <laughs> so, of course, the one episode I go to happens to be like, Phelps is like the worst host in like in like the last 20 years. And I'm at this episode, but I'm so pumped because it's Bobby's first yeah. show. And then Bobby does the Pepper character, who's That's I've so seen funny. 40 times in Buffoons. That's so funny. I forgot that Pepper. That character is so funny. Yeah. yeah I, the first time I went, I was like, these are the people who get like because they're like I went to address and you're like who are these people that get to decide what's on the show yeah and then it's a great equalizer of like oh they have to figure out these are people who've been doing comedy for like their entire lives for like some of them the most savvy audience as possible and they have to figure out how in 10 minutes to 10 seconds to get a premise across to these people so they don't lose their audience. Right. And you're like, it's a very different thing than any of, like they can't do, like you'll talk to like Brian Tucker who wrote on like Chappelle or whatever. And he's like, I met Brian Tucker just to uh, name drop. We, he was writing at best week ever when I was a PA there and he left because he got SNL. It was in between Chappelle and SNL. And I was like, he's like the most quiet kind of reserved kind of guy. And I was like, interesting SNL. And I was like a young kid wanting to do comedy. I was just a PA. And I was like, yeah, fucking SNL my ass. And he's like head writer for over a decade. I'm like, Oh, what? Yeah. And he, uh, but he, um, he's like, well, what Chappelle can do is like, he'll do the setup 
as himself before they throw to a sketch. They're like, isn't a funny one music like a beer commercial does this, and then they'll just do a parody. Yeah. They don't have to like set the. They don't have to figure out how to translate what the game is in the first thirty seconds. Right. But right. like, or and the same thing with anything. Like Keen Peel can do shit like that. They they set it up. But like, I've talked to like people that work there with a weird premise. You have to figure out how to tell. Like, you either have to have a jingle at top, which I think. I think the jingle, like the fake credit intro, and also I think that's where like uh, goofy, ca- weird character as game comes into play. Because yeah. then it's like if this, do- if Brian Fellows is just sitting there with like a safari hat on, or uh, what was like uh, the space character, or it was not. Oh, like, I know. I want to say Orlando Jones, but that's yeah. not it because that's a real person. But it's something like that, and it's like <laughs> it can't be Orlando Jones. Yeah, it is a real person. It's just so funny to be like that is a name of a character. If you're gonna name yeah. it, Orlando Jones is a f- great character right. name. And you're like, oh, I can't. If you were like, I'm pitching a sketch. The character's name is Orlando Jones. You'd be so hyped. Yeah. But then you're like, wait, that's a real person who's in American Gods, and you're like, oh, all right, never mind. Back off. <laughs> But uh, like when you see that set up and you're just like, oh, sh- yeah, I'm sold. Like you put on a weird hat. Will Ferrell's got fucking funny sunglasses on. I'm sold. Yeah. yeah and that's why they have to have these formats of like, oh, there's a- there's like all these talk shows in the early aughts. And then there's a lot of game shows in the early like because well, mid- game shows are like the you can say the game literally in yeah, the title. It's like, yeah, there's are you one- smarter than a redneck fifth grader? And I, remember like, the- mm-hmm. I was rewatching one because Keenan was the um the host it was a new cast member or arcade fire member or whatever oh yeah and you're yeah. like that you're literally telling them what is going to be funny of the thing and it's and it works but now they're doing i noticed they do a lot of guest speakers to uh classes which is a really weird that i've seen that a few times where i think that is the one-to-one translation of like a presentational character that this person did. It's like, how do like that? It killed in the audition. It kills at like when they do yeah. a variety show. So it's like, how do we get this person? Oh, hey, class, we have an old prospector here today or whatever. Yeah, He's going to exactly. talk to you guys. <laughs> and I think it's partly because they had all these young looking cast members, right? It's like, oh, that's something you could do Pete reacting to. Right. Pete looks like he's 12. Yeah, and like M- Melissa looks young. They and have Kyle so many young. Younger. Yeah, yeah. You could just jam them all in <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. But that was the thing of like they had um, in the Adam Driver episode, they had him play like a Daniel Plainview type character. Oh, yeah. And you're yeah. like, why is he doing It's like, well, it's a premise for this guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he could just, it's a way of doing a weekend update style character, but he's not interrupted in the same way. And you can have reaction shots or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. But that's why they have those forms. And it, because otherwise. Fake talk shows was it for a while, right? Fake talk shows. And now you see no fake talk shows. Yeah. Well, because are there just like less talk shows in general no i think i don't know what literally they just don't do like the last one it wasn't even fake it was steve harvey had a real talk show and as a way to doing steve harvey character but now he does family feud um and like just thinking of like keenan's arc because i partly because i just interviewed him and you're like keenan's been doing steve harvey on that show for since 2006 in different forms steve uh keenan keenan has been doing sketch comedy for my entire yes. life i'm th- i'm gonna be 37 and i can go back to being like 10 and remember seeing keenan as pierre escargot in yeah. a bathtub going i would like to touch your flipper <laughs> or whatever and you're like that dude is now like that's 20 something years of unbroken sketch comedy and he and 
underrated for a while. Never overrated. No. Underrated. Finally starting to get some sort of like credit where it's like it only took him 13 years. It was he a- lived in my building uh in my uh really? when I first moved to uh the city in Williamsburg and he like he was like I saw a black BMW pull up in front of this like weird ass loft and I was like what? And out got Keenan and like two other dudes and they got in the elevator and they reeked of weed and I was like dude Keenan's <laughs> in my fucking building man. I was so hyped. But yeah, he was a person that like he would start and he couldn't and he'll say it's like he had to figure out how to do his thing on the show and then once brian tucker was hired which brian tucker is a, a famously a white guy who writes for black people yes yeah he got his bones at Chappelle show and, like that's he just does and he and they hired him partly to do that because they had jb smooth but jb smooth famously i don't know if he got anything in the air but he would just pitch the craziest shit <laughs> i'm assuming yeah. yeah so they had brian and brian like figured out how to write for him and then they would like and then they did what up with that and it was like a sensation and everything changed where they're like the sh- like lauren trusted them they figured out how to do a thing that was like specific black on the show and right. then then so then Keen would do more things he'd be doing al sharpton more he would do, do steve harvey now was more famous to justify doing it and then through steve harvey he got to justify being a talk game show host. So then he would start taking those game show hosts roles that like right. Bill Hader did. And that was a role that black people truly never had on the show. Right. Well, as being the neutral, uh, being like just a guy who the plays straight a straight man. man. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Also is it partially because black people weren't even hosting game shows in America. <laughs> exactly. and it's like, you know, like we can't, uh, Oh yeah. And then Keenan gets to be the guy who's like, mug, uh, like I love that mug to camera when someone, egg- yeah. Oh man. I remember when I first saw what up with that, and I was like, I don't even know who Lin- Lindsay Cunningham is, oh, really? and I'm so excited. And I'm laughing at every just like haters' motions. I'm laughing at fucking that whole sketch. I'm going, this is fucking wild. This is wild. And then I feel like it was like six days later. It was like, what up with that? And I was like, wait a minute, guys. And it was like, I think I've seen four in seven weeks or something. And it I was, was like, please, was- please don't kill this for me. And they did it. I think like they just, it's so much fun to do. It's a, it's, but like, that's a sketch that is like, what is specific about SNL, which is it fills so much time. It uses so many cast members, right? right? It's like, there's a lot going on. They love music on the and, show and, and dancing. It, and like, it, there's depth of field of like every frame has a thing like he's so like Keenan's the middle ground but there's people in front doing characters yeah Sudeikis is, is, is in the beatboxing. Yeah. you have two characters on the left singing then you have the entire dais of like a, two guest stars and <laughs> Bill Hader just sitting straight <laughs> And then someone midway through walks out and does another bit. And then it, and at minimum, you're like, oh, we'll do one of those and it'll fill up nine minutes of the show. Right. And we'll go from, f- it will do one, one sketch in between two commercials. And that, to hold that frame is like, and it's, it's, that game is so simple. But then there's like, and the thing like that it's hard to do on SNL because they're writing it so quickly is, uh, like have sketches that have true like sub games of like other things that are fun. Anytime there is like, oh, they figured out how to. Yeah, they're doing two things in this sketch, <laughs> which know. is wild. And uh, uh, that that show is uh, that sketch is a good example of that, where it's like, well, we'll build the pattern over here of what Sudeikis, how many yeah. gold chains Sudeikis yeah. has on, or whatever. <laughs> that was the thing of I, I did an oral history of David Pumpkins, and you know, usually when I interview SNL people about how a sketch works, I try to go through the week because everyone knows how the week works, but usually they don't remember or they kind of had most of it at the beginning or they, and that was a sketch that I suggest people read the oral history where every day a new, like they had so little of what the sketch was going to be. Like they didn't, you watch and you're like, 
oh, that's a like every beat makes sense. There's the an ending and blah blah blah, and you're like, oh, originally Vanessa was gonna play the girlfriend and Kate was gonna play this, but then Vanessa had to do this, and then um, Lady Gaga was gonna be playing uh, David Pumpkin's girlfriend, and she wasn't going to reveal till the end, but then Lady Gaga couldn't do it because she had to do a, a costume change for music. So then they had to think of a new ending, and that ending was that David Pumpkins came around back and scares them, which you're like. You watch it, and it's like, oh, that's a perfect ending of a sketch, which never happens. Where right. he says, "I'm oh, gonna, yeah. I'm gonna scare you," and then he scares. Them. And they're like, they're like, I wrote, we wrote that between dress and air, and then between dress and air, um, Tom Hanks thought of that voice. Imagine you're like, this is an okay sketch that they're keep on working on, like. And they're like, I guess we're putting this. I guess we're doing David S. Pumpkins tonight. <laughs> like, holy shit! And then it's this, that the thing of like, you you're like generally people know how it works. It was like Tuesday right until like six o'clock in the morning, and then like Wednesday do a table read, and then Thursday they like blah blah. blah. But like, what you don't realize is like the table read. They're reading sketches that are not done, but and they're picking essentially like we think it might work, and that's why right, that, right. that's why <laughs> stuff sometimes is bad. Also, like for anyone who's not tried to write sketches writing endings to sketches yeah. is nearly impossible and it's why almost all early sketches from mod teams and sketch groups around theaters always end with like a non sequitur sort of like pause does this ever happen to you this has been a tv show the yeah. whole time or like you know like those weird rug pull out endings are like a a gimme in, in sketch comedy because you're like, how do we fucking heighten this to an interesting end? It's always got to be like, now, boys, don't forget, you're only five years old after <laughs> yeah, you had this graphic yeah, conversation yeah. or whatever. It's like, or, you know, like two guys talking about something and they walk in and be like, doctors, are we ready? You know, it's like yeah. that classic <laughs> yeah, yeah. ending where it's like the reality has been completely flipped, yeah. which I love as a comedy nerd, but like you can't do it for eight sketches every week. Yeah. Like it's too And weird. that's why they just clap an ending, right? That's like the fame. There was a, I remember there was a, it was a super cut someone made, but they, it's been taken down where the sketch isn't over. They just, the applause breaks and then they just sort of fade out. Oh yeah. Which is how a lot of SNL sketches cause like, I remember I literally asked, uh, I was interviewing Seth Meyers and I was like, how do you end a sketch? And he's like, when it's over, you just sort of have to. He's like, watch it. SNL. We yeah. never figured it yeah. out. <laughs> but sometimes they'll do like, and that's the thing that only, there's just certain things of like, if you want to watch perfect sketch writing, watch Key and Peel. Like the show yes. exists. It's perfect. It, it does everything sketch writing should do. Everything has like three ending that are like satisfying, but not cheap. Key, but uh, Key and Peel are doing something special. And I want it like, those are two of the most talented performers and writers, those two guys. And then you throw in like Ian Roberts, yeah. who's like a robot of game and yeah. like, and just like, they can do a sketch where it is a crazy character and you are enamored by it. But then they do the sketch. Like one of the perfect heightening sketches ever is wearing newer and newer hats. And like, and then like, I think Keegan comes out with like a Lucite box on his yeah. head and then Peel comes back out with a woman sewing all on his head, making the hat. I'm like, that's like, that's like fucking yeah. like scientific height you know you yeah. should stu- as I, every time it's like people like i maybe they probably do like sketch writing 101 they should just watch that show they really then, should because then you be like if you know the idea that like i literally i have not studied comedy but i i read the beginning of the ucb book and i was like oh i got it you like do a thing because <laughs> like this. <laughs> but you can watch that show and if you watch it enough and like snl will do the snl version which is like you like a character that repeats it hits the same beats right 
Yeah. And, and you're like, like Gilly. We yeah. know Gilly's going to do this. We know Gilly's going to do that. But how how is the language going to be tweaked? How? Or like the woman who's like the surprise party yeah, room. Every Kristen, oh my God. The, the thing like people. God, Kristen Wiig. Oh, I haven't thought of her in a minute. And she, because she doesn't. Her career of like she could literally do whatever she wants comedically and just decides not to do. Like when Kristen Wiig guest stars in something, it's the funniest thing in the world. Oh, she's so good and knocked up as like the bitchy uh, producer. She's right. Yeah, she's so good. And she can play natural and funny. She can play huge. And every like I I think I remember who said that like her on the Last Man on Earth, um I think Kristen Charles like she's the most precise comedic actress I've ever watched. Like she'll be doing a thing and she's like, oh I forgot to raise my eyebrow during that thing, and then like redo the take and just do it perfectly. Oh, that's amazing. And she's so like, fucking talented. But like, and it was. But she's gonna be in Wonder Woman. That's awesome. It's a villain. But like <laughs> so cool. But like Gilly was a sketch that I remember people hated Gilly. They didn't get it. Like, I feel like I had a lot of male friends who hated Gilly. And you're like, it's just, it's like an abstract sketch. There's just sort of so, it's just like catchphrases and faces. Well, it's sometimes like, that's when like, I think sketch comedy's at its like most basal is when it's just like, it's, it's just the beats. Yeah. It's like, it's like, there's no explanation. There's no justification. It's just like mug catchphrase, murmur, 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 mug catchphrase. And then you're, it's like almost just like, um, two fucking like huge bass drums where you're yeah. just like all of a sudden you start swaying yeah it, you know, it's like dumb dumb you wouldn't call that music but then all of a sudden you're like i'm moving it's motivating me it's working as yeah. music despite it just being three parts repeated i remember it made sense partly like have you seen the james franco documentary about snl no i have not oh, it's so i don't know where you can watch it it's like on hulu for like a week um, and it's like not a satisfying documentary, but it's an incredibly satisfying experience to watch what SNL is like because he follows a week of the show and you you get a level of insight that of how people work that you just would not like like Chris. You learn that Chris and Wick does not. She shows up at a normal time and just her and Paula Pello write were writing the sketches at like. 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. and then like went home afterwards. Like she's like, I don't need a stay. Paul Pell, genius. Yeah, Another but then, genius, but yeah. then, like, they showed Bill and John Mulaney and Simon Rich and uh, Merrick Sawyer riffing some sketch that never made on where they're doing these old timey voices, doing exactly what you imagine them writing. Oh God, Mulaney and Hater doing old timey voices. <laughs> finally, <laughs> and then, but then you had Seth. This is when Seth was the head writer, and like he would already like he's in every room talking to people, but then in between you see him writing and. It's then you see him nap at like 5 a.m. and then it's 7 a.m. and he goes to Mike Shoemaker, who was a longtime producer there, who's now a producer, Seth. And uh, Seth's like, Should I write that one idea? And Mike's like, We already wrote three things. He's like, Yeah, but I have like another hour and a half. And it's like, yeah, I think we have enough. He's like, Well, let me just see if I can do it. And he knocked it out an hour and a half. And, it, and then you eventually see it gets on air. And you're like, Oh, no one talks about these sort of this superhuman who can like write that show yeah on two hours of sleep in 90 minutes and just on the it. crunch just we're like if you most people like write a sketch like okay so what's not and like and he just does it oh that's so and then fucking you saw good. like and then so then they did the table read and that um it was super hard to watch because like casey wilson did a sketch that they had a it had a song and it was bombing so she had to finish the whole song Oof, oof, that's hard. Uh, bombing at a table read is just like brutal and like, I yeah, I can only imagine. And, but the thing that was most interesting was they showed the meeting after the table read. And they were like, 
that you saw Lauren being like, how much does this person have on? Do we have something for Will? Like, it was Will Forte. And you're like, because Will was doing the weird... Will, there's something about Will that Lauren just can't like he loves will right and i love when lauren gets a crush like that when you're like because he had it on feral he had it on forte where it's like they're not doing real <laughs> snl type sketches yeah. but you know will like the weird. falconer <laughs> that, and he's like do we have enough stuff for will and then i remember is it i it maybe it was an interview I did with bill hater bill hater was like nothing will make lauren laugh more than will forte screaming and so you're true. like, that's why there's so many sketches where he screams. Oh, that's so funny. Well, because you, you, you want to say Lauren has bad taste, but then every once in a while you hear what he really likes and you're like, I really like that too. I love Paul Simon. Yeah, I think his... <laughs> I'm he, not friends with him. But yeah. I, I don't share an apartment, but I love him. <laughs> but I think the thing that like, that Lauren, that Lauren works that job and I think his main thing is he wants to make sure there's something for everybody. That's why there's music, right? To be like, to remind people this is a variety show. Right, right. Because it's like the bands, the mu- musical acts feel like such weird. That must be such a hassle of the show to be like. Booking musical acts and like staging that. And, and especially when like, you know, like it's probably not so bad when it's just like dumb rock bands playing there. But now it's like a whole thing where like Kanye will like bring in a room like he yeah, will build his own set. set yeah like how do you or i remember that weird uh connie pro- cardi b did a pregnancy reveal during it and i was like i remember i emailed the show it was like oh can i interview whatever director or whatever to get the backstory of how you shot it i was like that was all them i was like that means cardi b's team showed up and be like oh this is gonna be a big thing i but we have to shoot it there's cameramen who've been working on the show forever <laughs> right. that are now being bossed around by Cardi B's manager. <laughs> That's fucking wild. People have been on the show for literally probably like some probably been there for thirty years. Yeah, and there's some, so many egos involved in SNL because then you you imagine the entire staff of SNL yeah. what they're dealing with, and then each week a huge celebrity and a huge and a quote unquote huge celebrity and a quote unquote huge musical act descend there and are also there. Now it's like we're the slave to like forty masters at that point. Yeah, and then it's I was just thinking about how. Justin Bieber was such an asshole his week there that he's the like you ask cast member who's the best host and they'll be like oh, I love everyone they'll just throw whoever they remember and then they'll be like who's the worst host and usually they're like look I don't want to say it's a tough job but Justin Bieber they are all willing to talk about which is crazy I uh, yeah he must have been so bad I I heard he was not only bad at being a host but he was like thought he was funny and was a dick to everyone yeah. behind the scenes like was like like doing trying to be like Don Rickles like but it was like from a 19 year old idiot that's so funny that, but it's like so much of that like Chris and Sarah wrote that show about that experience of cuz they're the show the other two is about like two siblings who his brother becomes like a Justin Bieber type right yeah. and they did it partly cuz they're completely willing but like we met Justin Bieber and it was insane and he was terrible. <laughs> That and that's the thing that like, and then you picture what what are Justin Bieber's siblings like and how do their parents feel towards the siblings? Then you cast Drew Tarver and you're off, you're off. And I think it's also like it's a few things that people actually like, like as people are in comedy and we care about so like there's so many shows that like only comedy people like about and like I've been in plenty of rooms where we can talk about. I don't know, like Detroiters for, for like th- for two hours or whatever. Right. But like my mom doesn't care about Detroiters. No. But like everyone Your mom's cares about- in the majority. Yeah. And everyone, <laughs> yeah, which then shows great, but that's fine. It's a small email that's like Broadway video. So I felt it's okay to be like, but like everyone watches SNL and has an opinion about it. Right. And like they, even if they don't, they'll like, they'll talk about it on today's show or every SNL cast member, 
if they do if something big happens on SNL, y- your mom finds out yeah. about it somehow. Even if she doesn't watch, it's like, oh, I heard, you know, The Rock did blah, you know, like she just like you can because that's it's still news somehow. Yeah, and that is a thing that it, it's an institution which is like. Um, I can't remember who was someone I was saying was like, oh, there shouldn't be comedy is an anti-institution thing. So you can't have an institution. Uh, but it, there's but I still think it's like there's something about it. It matters and it's fun to care about a thing. Right. And uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, let's let's get back. Let's land this with the sports yeah. thesis, because it is fun to give a shit about. It. And also there's an element of masochism to being a sports fan where if you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe like uh, I've had to stop watching Giants games because I'm like, this is going to ruin my whole Sunday. I can't yeah. go from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. this angry and then try to live a day. Yeah, yeah. So then it's like, I could, like, SNL has that too where you're like, this episode sucks, but let me just see if the end because I can watch that. Yeah. You're rooting for your players at least. Maybe you're like, this episode is bombing, but like, hopefully Pete Davidson gets to do something cool or like, oh, I love Vanessa Bayer. I can't, I'm so glad she got this sketch in. Yeah, I mean, the, as I write in the piece, it's like season and season are the same words. Like, there's bad seasons. Right. Like, and you're like this is a bet like and everyone knows they'll be like like and when there's a good season and i remember the and we really <laughs> not to interrupt but like there is an element to that too like when a player is like apologizing at a press junket they're like look we just we got to give it our all yeah. next year and it's like there's an element of that to snl too where the people on it are like look yeah okay <laughs> yeah, i feel like every year every once in a while they'll love a sketch in the season finale that'll be like all right, well, we'll give it a go next year. <laughs> it, it's weird how much the NFL and SNL, first of all, even just saying the two acronyms are very similar, uh, how they're institutions that should have died but haven't. There's so much controversy around them. Donald Trump has sort of ruined both of them for me. <laughs> it's like, what an insane... But the thing, it's like, it will last. The, the thing that's always like, could it ex- exist beyond Lorne? And I don't think it probably could, but yeah. like... You're like, oh, like it's more popular than like it's the ratings are up from a different time where that is truly a thing that happens nowhere else in television. Nowhere else has the ratings go up and down based on what's in the news or like how if people like the cast or don't like the cast. Right. Like after this year, it's very possible that Kate and AD will leave. Right. And they're two of the most. Yeah. And they're charming. And that's crazy. Like that means a show that's going to stay on the air without the people that are that people are watching for. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah, <laughs> that's like uh, George and Elaine leaving <laughs> yeah. Seinfeld for one season. You're like, I guess I'll tune in next week and see who the new, who Kramer and Jerry are hanging out with. Yeah, no, you were. I didn't even think of. And that's like being a fucking yeah. and your favorite player gets traded. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> and, Matt, and but it's crazy to do. It's like, oh, it's like if you were following the Bulls in the '90s and then Michael Jordan retires, and then you still do it. Your loyalty is to an institution and not right, yeah, to Right, yeah, it's not to Jordan. It's not to Will Ferrell. It's to SNL. Look, I'm yeah. a fan of the, the Brooklyn Nets, who are a very bad team with no good players. And I'm like, and every week, I literally, it's almost like I root for the Nets. Like It's like I reverse engineered this, where I figured out how to root for basketball like I do SNL, where it's like, is it crazy these guys are doing this? They know they're not as good. They know right, they yeah, don't have. something of like a fucking little giant sort but of But they might win. Yeah. yeah. And that's they the could, same thing. Oh, and, and a victory, you're like, look, I know how hard it is to for yeah. a victory for you guys. So it's um, it's the same. I know how hard it is to get a sketch on yeah. the air, so I'm so happy I, for I you. I now watch sports like I watch SNL. <laughs> Saturday night, falling asleep during the halftime <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, dude, thanks so much for oh, coming on. It truly is my favorite thing to talk about. Oh, hey, I was so happy. <laughs> like, you've... 
that's something I listened to that episode that was came, must have come out three years ago, two yeah. and a half years ago. It's been burned in my head. <laughs> I've been like half ruining your thesis on it at parties to other people forever. Uh, you know, like before I knew you, I was like, this dude, David, Jesse, Fox, Fox, Jesse, something like that. He works at Vulture. He's got this, you know, it's got it. And I'm like, I can't do it yeah. justice. And I'm just shoehorning your theories into other people. So I was so pumped when you emailed about being in LA. I was like, I got to talk to you yeah, about I this. I knew, and I was like, he's going to be so, I was like, just, it's so funny, but like, we got to get the word out of more people watching the only show in comedy that people watch, but it's still worth it because it's, it's just like, it's, you're depriving people of like, it's fun. It's a thing to care about that's low stakes. It's like, yeah. I feel like we all need that, especially, especially in these times. <laughs> yeah. There's something, it's oddly comforting to know that the show has been on for like yeah. 40 years and you're like, and I, I don't even care if it's good. I'm just yeah. happy you're here. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, like out of town pizza, like non New York pizza. You know, like you're like, oh, it's nice to just. I ordered room service in at my Virginia hotel, and I got a weird cheese pizza. But it's dough, it's cheese, it's warm. It, this I feel, this feels good. That's the next. The next piece will be SNL. That watch SNL like eating pizza. <laughs> I, 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 sometimes you want to eat slices. Sometimes you want one. Ah, and you players a slice. <laughs> Um, tell tell my listeners a little bit about Good One. Uh, Good One is a podcast about jokes. Every episode, we have a character on to uh, they character. We have a person on who's a real person to play one of their jokes or a sketch or a scene or a set. So uh, for SNL fans, we've had Horatio on, uh, Keenan's been on, Vanessa Baird came on to talk about just doing Jake the Bar Missile Boy. Uh, the, guy, the little I love that character. Yeah, so it's and then we'll just talk about like and for that it was just a conversation of how that character evolved, how she thought about that character, but also I'll, so I'll you have stand ups on and break down specific bits of theirs. Yeah, so oh, we'll have cool. um, and we you know Patton Oswalt was on last season, Bo Burnham, um, we had God Jer- Bo Burnham there just to use his name for a second. I just want to. Uh, S his D on my podcast. <laughs> he was someone who, like, when I just saw who he was, I was like, I don't like this dude stand up. Yeah. And then, like, a lot of people I liked really liked him. And I was like, okay, I'll check him out. And he was such an amazing stand up comic. I'm like, this guy is a brilliant genius. This is so funny. And then when he announced he was making an indie movie, I was like, fuck this About guy. About an eighth grade girl. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, fuck this dude. He's so. And I saw the movie and I'm like, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I can't. I Why am I not trusting in Bo Burnham? I'm constantly going, I don't know if this guy's got it. <laughs> he's like, the best. And yeah. he's, it's a thing of, he's. When people are so ready to talk about their work as if it's art, it's like like every question I had, he was like, and it was alive, and he was able to be like, oh yes, of course, I was thinking about how the relationship to the audience, to how they would perceive it, and I shot in this way, and and so there's people like that, but there's also people who are like, I don't know, I thought it was funny, and I, <laughs> and it has everything, and the goal is to sort of like give people different perspectives of how comedians approach. There are things that they do. Oh, cool. Well, check out Good One. Follow. Uh, oh, Jesse, where are you on social? At, at Jesse David Fox on at Twitter. At Jesse David Fox. I'm at Gabris. Hit us up with, uh, if you start watching SNL as sports, we're curious how you guys are doing yeah, it. Yeah, well, eventually we'll get to start a fantasy league. Uh, it's so ready. It's so ripe for that. I, we need someone to create a fantasy league, and we will be the spokesmen for it. But I don't want to have to figure out how to do I that. I don't want to have to figure out how to do that. But that is a very good idea. Yeah. I mean... That would break cast members though, because imagine you could look oh, up like no. you're like, oh fuck, I'm I'm trading <laughs> Will Britton. <laughs> Paul Britton is like, fuck, dude. 
Um, well, Jesse, thank you so much for coming well, on High and so Mighty, much. dude. Enjoy great. the Vulture Festival. I'm saying that like this podcast episode won't come out in three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will have enjoyed it. Yes, listen to Jesse on Don't Get Me Started. Listen to his <laughs> podcast and listen to other episodes of mine. Please, great. listeners. Bye, shitheads. That was a HeadGum Podcast.